Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein. We like to do that in a world of comedy, of, of sports, of books, authors, pastors, many things in the mainstream. And we like to see what God's up to in, in some of those spheres. And today, I'm super excited. We do not have, up to this point, Gosh, we're 70, 80 episodes in now, and uh, we have not had many returning guests, but we have one today. And uh, I think I could say the term friend. I feel like we've become friends, and I'll get to see him and give him that great brotherly hug coming up soon. Andre Davis, who was on September, I think it was September 9th, 2021. I'll look back. It was definitely about a year and a half ago, and you're back with us today to talk different things, but still very good things. Welcome, Andre. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Jeff. What an honor it is to be a, a repeat. That means I must have said some nice things. <laughs> well, you're very encouraging. So I'm going to take all the encouragement I can ever get. If you're going to do that like you do without trying, that's good for me. That's going to be good for people that listen to this. And we'll we'll hit on a few things. Football, we'll hit on a much with family. But I wanted to start off, as I told you, in our email loop that you uh, just got back from a cruise. Team Davis yeah. took it south, went to Mexico. Feeling refreshed? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about refreshed. You know, I, I think when it comes to vacations, especially when you go with family and four young kids, you know, you always come back feeling like you need a vacation from the vacation. But at the same time, I think whenever you get a chance to see that joy on your kid's face, when they see certain things that they wouldn't normally get to experience, that's what gives you the joy as a parent to be able to I guess, make them aware of the different opportunities and experiences that are out there. So that to me was what gave me joy was seeing my wife happy, my kids happy, mm. then I'm definitely happy. Give us a great memory that you guys had, whether it's simple and just a basic thing or something that was like incredible, or maybe you give us a couple. What were, what were some memories you guys made while you were on this trip? Yeah, on this trip, uh, one, it's a Disney cruise. It's, it's always nice when you get somewhere I think when you have when you're a parent and you bring your kids somewhere, you always want to have that trust factor of when they're out and about, if they're away from you, are they acting one like they should be acting like you've taught them to act? Mm -hmm. And two, are they having the type of experience that allows them to enjoy being on their own and gain some new relationships? And for us, Disney has always done that in being able to present a, a family friendly atmosphere that gives you uh, that sense of safety and that your kids are being taken care of if they're away from you. And so for me, what makes it even that much better is when the kids come back and we meet up with them and they're talking to us about their friends and the new kids that they met. Mm. And to me, that means a whole lot when it comes to the socialization of our children, of getting them in a comfort level that if you leave them, they know how to act, right? I yeah. think uh, many times we walk through a mall or we walk through certain places and we see kids who don't know how to act, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, I, I think I get joy to be able to see them introduce us to friends that literally they've been gone for two hours and they've already got somebody that they're, they've linked up with. And I, I think that just means good things as they move forward in life. So do the Disney cruises allow I me? Mean, is that kind of a, a hot spot where that can happen? Do they make some relationships with people that you guys will keep up with now that you're back? I mean, I, I would like to think so. Um, I think it's, you know, this was a four day, three night trip. I would consider it something similar to like when you send your kids to overnight camp yeah. or something like that, where by the time they get back, they've gained some friendships and they've been able to do that on their own. And I think uh, not just for kids, adults and everything is like, can you go somewhere regardless of the amount of time that you're spending, but can you gain relationships in yeah. that amount of time? And I think that's something that I want to be able to teach my kids and something that I look forward to anytime I'm in new experiences and new uh, uh, opportunities. Am I able to have the type of conversation that makes it memorable for somebody sure. to say, I want, I want to keep up with you. Yeah. And I think if you can instill that in your kids, I mean, you're going to have a step up. Yeah. Well, you're so relational. It's fun hearing you talk about the way you are. I know Disney uh, across the, the landscape has had some challenges in recent weeks and months. I think if Bob Iger gets his hand on this podcast, he needs to share it because he's got a fan in Andre Davis and the Davis family, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a whole other story we can get into with all the other things that they're dealing with. Yeah. And I understand. So, you know, if people are commenting on this, I understand the whole other aspect that we deal with as far as culture, culturally, uh, different things that Disney has done. And there are, are things that they've done that I don't agree with as sure. far as culture-wise. But at the same time, as far as a family atmosphere and getting our kids out the house and being able to you know, experience, we went down, like I said, to, to Mexico. And then just the time that we spent together on that ship, we had a great time. I have a board member named Carter, who, and Carter and his wife met, this is crazy, they met on a Disney cruise, I think, and they're huge Disney Cruise fans, and just Disney in general. And they go to, what, what, is it Disneyland? It's in Florida. I always get confused. Or Disney, yes. whichever Disneyland, one's in Florida. Florida Disney, uh, no, Disneyland is Cali. California. Disney World is Florida. Yeah. So they go to Disney World all the time, like multiple times a year. And they are wearing Mickey. And he's a big, stocky guy. If you saw him, you're like, yeah, if I caught a pass out in the flat, I might let him block for me. And you're like, that that's this guy's big interest is Disney. I mean, he loves Disney, Disney World, the cruises, you know, whatever. But uh, they had a 50th birthday party for him, you know, a couple months back or whatever. And you can imagine there's Disney, Mickey Mouse stuff all over the place. And it's always funny when you meet people and you know, I've known him for a while now, but you're like, wow, his big thing's Disney. I don't know that I would have seen Mickey Mouse. I would have thought, you know, fullback or inside linebacker for somebody. But um, let's go back to our initial connection. So we met through our mutual friend, Jason Romano. And you were pretty quick to respond to me. We had, I love telling a story. We talked for over an hour, I think the first time when I'm driving my son to his uh, soccer game. And uh, I really love keeping up with you on Facebook and just the joy, the energy at which you're living life. And so I told you that was about a year and a half ago. So how is Andre Davis different today than he was when we talked uh, that first time a year and a half, two years ago? Wow. Um that's a great question. I think you're always looking for ways to be able to improve, you know, and, and get better each and every day. And I think a way I'm able to do that is just you give yourself purpose each and every day and not to think of it as a daily grind, like we often say, uh, which it is. But you want to be able to say, how can I get something out of the next day? It gives you hope because oftentimes when we look into our week as we move forward, as we plan certain things, 
you're always like, oh, I'm just going out and I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it's it's an easy way to not get joy out of life and not get joy out of your job, your career, whatever it is you're doing. But instead, I try to wake up each day and, and pray, Lord, give me an opportunity to make an impact in somebody's life each day, whether that be my own kids each day, whether it be, you know, talking to my massage therapist that I was just uh, at before I got on here. You're going to run into somebody at some point, you know, today, every day you wake up. How can you make an impact on that person, whether it's to get them to smile, whether it's to encourage them, whether it's to share an experience? When I look for opportunities like that, I'm never going to get bored as I you know, get up in the morning and, I go, and as I go about my day. So I would think though with someone like you, because like I said, you know, when I think about you, it's funny how long I have to think before I get to football. I think encouragement, I think inspiration, I think hope, you know, obviously service is a big thing for you. All these words, I know for me, I like to think about people who are ahead of me in life in various various facets. And I would think for you, Andre, it's gotta be a little bit challenging, like who's more hopeful than you? Who's more encouraging than you? Who's seeing every moment and every day and you know, every week? Is that significant? You get get to make a deposit. I mean, you have to lead the way. So how how do you keep yourself fresh with people and not get discouraged? Like, man, people aren't as encouraging and hopeful as I am. Does that ever <laughs> does that battle ever come up for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's times where you want to encourage people and you don't get that same energy back. And you know, the the flesh side of me says, well, forget it. Then I you know I don't need to say anything. I'll just go about my day and and you know go back in that that. That flesh side says, I want to come back in to myself and just worry about myself. Don't worry about anybody else. But I think it's the Holy Spirit in me that says, no, I've, you know, uh, Jesus has given me much. How can I give that back out? How can I show the love of Christ in all that I do in my life? And one way to do that is to, once again, to look for other opportunities as inspirational uh, speakers. Uh, I'm going through a devotional now with Dr. Tony Evans called called for a purpose and it's something that it continues to remind me he's such a great communicator mm-hmm. uh, he gives great analogies all the time all which time. I always pull from because it's examples that I've gone through maybe not the the same exact thing that he's done but it brings back memories that I've totally forgotten about to say oh yeah that's happened to me and here's the biblical application to that and so to be able to have those sort of events in my life, of looking on uh, how can I be inspired through, more importantly, God-fearing uh, men and women on Instagram and social media, as crazy as it is and how a lot of people say, we're trying to get off of social media, I'm trying to use it as a yes. resource to be inspired. And there are so many people out there, big names, not so big names, however it comes across my feed, I'm able to find different people who have been able to be inspirational mm. in the things that they say and, and trying to look more towards those who are uh, more uh, biblically minded and going on the same path as me, but not to say I don't take other inspirational and, and wise sayings that others have said as well, uh, even though they might not they may not be Christians, but they are still given sound advice. So sure. I'm trying to balance all of those things out to say, all right, how do those things apply to my life? How can I use that with my sphere of influence to be able to reach all different levels of people? Well, and it's just so true. Whatever we're looking for, we can find it, good, bad, or otherwise, whatever it is, whatever we're looking for, whatever we want, we can find it. I love the Albert Einstein quote about you can treat every day and you know every moment like 
like everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle and it's really how you want to look at things so you obviously take that you know from a real positive and you seem very deeply rooted where you are like you know you're planted where you're planted whether that's virginia tech whether that's your home in, in delaware your family andre give me a couple testimonies of how you know you're right where you're supposed to be right here right now to 2023 yeah absolutely i think it, it started back in probably 20 20 uh 2012 i think uh, right after i got done playing football uh, me and my wife, we had just moved to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we were sitting in church. And I remember us sitting there. We both looked at each other after the message, and it was like, we're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Like, just just sending a check to different ministries is is not enough right now. As we're making this transition away from football, trying to figure out what's going on, we've got two young boys at that moment. We felt like God had given us more of a platform to do something more. And so it was, how can we not just give our treasures to something, but now let's look at that other two, the other two parts of that time and talent. How can we use our time and talent to be able to make a difference? And for us, that's when we uh, got involved with an organization called African New Life Ministries that we're still a part of. And I've been on the board now for a couple of years. And it was being able to reach into a country that I wasn't really paying much attention to, but thankful my financial advisor, uh, his wife was on the uh, the board at the time and she just wanted us to sponsor a child. I started off as simple as that. And then it went to helping and support a project that they had going on called Organics for Orphans, which we bought a plot of land. They were able to grow vegetables there that ended up actually uh, helping the school there in that area feed them their vegetables for a whole entire year. And that's in Rwanda, right? This is in Rwanda, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so by the time I got a chance to go there for the first time in 2014, it gave me the perspective of being able to see the type of impact that you could have, not only financially, but seeing what they were doing on the ground within that community. You know, I always said that I wasn't going to be a missionary because of hmm. what I thought growing up sure. of what a mission was, you know, that you're going to be sleeping on the ground in some, you know, village in the middle of nowhere, having to survive like Bear Grylls or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it, it was one of those things that it just gave me a greater perspective for my platform here in the United States to be able to say, all right, I don't quite know what I'm going to do next career wise. But what I do know is that I can always serve. And for me, I tried to think, where is the best platform that I have? We weren't living in Houston anymore. Myrtle Beach doesn't have any professional teams. They had like a minor league baseball team. I think we knew at that point that eventually we were going to move back to Delaware. But when you look at these next two locations, Myrtle Beach and Delaware, there's no professional team. So I didn't have that natural uh, community of professional players to surround myself around. So... I really prayed about it and God just revealed to me like, man, your platform is at Virginia Tech. Like you had a great experience there. Let's use your platform there to try to give back and make more of an impact. And um, it, it couldn't be a better place because our school motto is ut prosum, which is Latin for that I may serve. Mm. Um, so what a great opportunity to not only be able to share my testimony freely, but that our school motto is really what servant leadership and what our Christian walk is is built on is being able to serve others. 
So that has been a platform that has allowed me to live life as myself, unashamed, uh, being able to share the gospel when possible, but also just speak biblical wisdom into student athletes' lives, you know, throughout everything, whether it be the student athletes, whether it be in the different boards and committees and stuff that I'm on. It's just great to be able to help others uh, really try and find their purpose. So this may be more of a coming challenge than it's a challenge right now. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I saw, I was listening to podcasts not long ago with uh, Wayne Simeon. Jason Romano actually interviewed Wayne Simeon, who was doing ministry on the campus of Kansas. He was a you know national champion basketball player, if I remember correctly, with Kansas. Played it, played for the Miami Heat, and he went from that ministry role to these. And now I think he's one of the assistant athletic directors at Kansas. And I'm thinking, right. if I'm Virginia Tech, Andre's doing some stuff for us. But I think we could take a whole lot more Andre Davis if I if I'm Virginia Tech. Now they they got no ties to me whatsoever. They're not at calling me asking my advice on stuff. But I would think if I'm them, I want more of what you have to offer. You seem like you're in a sweet spot. You know, like I said, I I keep tabs on your family, watching online, loving your wife well, loving your kids well, whatever. Is it difficult to not take on too much? And partly why I say that as well, I've been telling people here, when you come see us, you know, middle of May for our event, May 18th and and the evening before and whatnot, I I just feel like God keeps saying to me that, hey, this is going to be one more launching point for Andre Davis to more, to bigger, and not more and bigger to be more and bigger. Just I think people need what you have to offer. And I think that discerning process for you has to be a challenge because, like I said, I'm sure Virginia Tech at some point is saying, Andre, we want a whole lot more. Please move to Blacksburg. Yeah, I think to be able to move further up, if that's what God has for me, I think that would be ideal. For me to be in Blacksburg, I think it would look very different, maybe my role and and where I would go. But to your point, I think they're also following me and seeing how important my family is. And every time I talk, when I get back to uh, around my my Virginia Tech community, I'm always talking about my kids. And when I tell them the ages of the kids, they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're in that season of life. Like, I understand it. Like, you're in the midst of it right now. And that's not necessarily an area that I want to leave my kids. For so many adult males that I get a chance to talk to, oftentimes they say a regret they have is that they never got a chance to spend as much time with their kids as they would have liked to. And for me, I have that opportunity to be able to be here for them, to build into them as much as I can before we send them out. With us living as far as we do away from Virginia Tech, that, that is not an option right now without me breaking kind of that dynamic of what we have. And I will never be able to get that back. And so I think my position now is in order to kind of line things up so that way, as my kids get older, as they get ready to leave the house, hopefully I've prepared such a foundation that it will line up appropriately to see what God has for me at that point, potentially at Virginia Tech, whether it is us getting a a second place down there that I can Mm. spend, you know, half the year down there because our family is still back up here and family is still really important. Even once the kids leave, we still have my sister-in-law, my brother, you know, my parents, we still have people that are up here. So I think it's a matter of trying to line things up appropriately. So when God says, you know, it's time to go, I can step in through that door and I'm prepared. So what did you and Janelle do right those nine years, or maybe it was more centrally focused in some of those years, because you're clearly not Nothing about you says you're motivated by money as a primary thing. And you've clearly made some right decisions to be able to live the life you're living because you're clearly saying no to some upward mobility 
because if you know people, I'm sure people listen to this have, have watched back when the ESPN 30 for 30 called broke, where and Sports Illustrated did an article as well about you know hockey, football, basketball, baseball. I think it was the four big sports, team sports that all these athletes three to five years after they're done are broke, like 60, 70. I think in some sports it's 80. percent So what did you do right? Like what would you say? What do you say to younger athletes? Because not everybody's got the freedom and flexibility you have, and it's such a commendable. God's favor thing. There's more to it. Please don't strike me down, God. There's more to it than just God's favor. You've clearly made some right decisions back in your playing career. What did you and Janelle do right? Yeah, I, I hate to do this to you. It's like, I know you're asking what I did right, but I did a lot wrong, <laughs> you know, to be able to get us here. So it's like, I've learned from that. And I would say what I did right was in those times where you're trying to find when you're trying to find that next thing, when you're trying to make that investment, because you know, once you get to a certain position, you're always presented these opportunities. And every opportunity that someone brings to you sounds like it's a, oh, this is a can't miss opportunity. And it starts off well, but man, everything requires money. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, wait a sec, why, why am I the only one with skin in the game? Like you always wanna say, you're, oh, it's your value because you know what you're doing. So you're not going to put it in. You're doing your sweat equity, but yet I'm doing the financial equity. And it sounds great at first, but then once you get into it and you really get into the numbers, you really get into the work, you realize like you're not providing, you know, the same sort of experience that you've sold us on. Mm -hmm. And so what I've been grateful for all of those times that I've been burned is that the investment that I put into those things was something that I would be willing to lose if it went oh, wow. south so that's very different than being sold and being like oh man if this is a can't miss then i'm putting x amount of dollars because i want to see that turn into this can we pause for i i don't want that to be missed i hope people caught what you said there that you were always willing to go with something that you were okay losing. Because I think that's probably a key thing that people need to hear. That I mean, we've seen story after story after story of people who got burnt, where there was a famous NFL quarterback who like spent money like crazy at the bars and whatever and buying this, that, and every, I mean, it ain't long if you're buying drinks at the bar for all your friends and all your, everybody, you're, you're going to be losing money at some point or gambling or whatever it may be. And you said you were always willing to lose in whatever you did. And if you weren't willing to lose it, you weren't going to do it. So that's a key thing. I hope people unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. That's, um, in some ways people may think that's a negative thing that you're going in there thinking you're going to lose it already, but it's just like, no, that's just being smart of saying, okay, this is what I'm able to do because ultimately I know I can't go back and play my years of football over again. That time of making that kind of money is over and done with. It would be great. I think we all have the desire that, hey, that money that we made in football, can I flip that? And in my you know, second career now, can I take my money, can I take my investments and put it into something that I'm passionate about, that I really enjoy and I do so well at that, that I'm at the top of that field and career as well. And now I'm making the same money. But what I think a lot of athletes don't realize is like, man, very few other careers are offering you the same sort of finances that you get in such a short time period in football. It takes some people 20 years to get to that part of an experience to be able to earn, you know, high six figures million dollar a year careers just aren't, you know, natural. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very hard when you've been the top 1% of your career in football 
and you think that you're going to be that top 1% in anything else you go into. Now, that's something that can help you tremendously in making your transition, but I think it's also of surrounding yourself with the right people to be able to do that. So you're the top 1% in something, but then we might be working with somebody else who's just trying to figure it out just like you as well, but yet they're a good salesman. They're a good communicator, Mm -hmm. so they can make you feel good about yourself and talk really good about this opportunity. But if they don't know what they're doing as much as uh, you did at your at the top of your profession, then that's just money that, you know, is going towards helping them research this new opportunity rather than, hey, this is somebody who's had the experience. You've got the right team together. They've done it before. You know, you've you've been able to do background checks to make sure that they're legitimate and stuff. And so I think that's a whole different financial side that not many players have been coached on to be prepared for once they leave the game. And you just hope that if and when they do make a mistake, it's not something that erases five, six, 10, 12 years of hard work that you put in, that it erases all of that because, you know, you got too hype on one investment. Wow. There's so much good to what you share. I I feel like I need. I'm glad we're recording stuff like this because I, I I need to go back and take lots of notes. So I want you to speak to me as a man with a 16 year old son right now who's playing AAU basketball. He's he just took up track for the first time. He's been playing soccer and basketball for quite a while. He gave up baseball a couple years ago. And I also want to throw in here these young Virginia Tech athletes you get a chance to spend time with. What is the balance in investing? With a voice like yours, it's different than me as a dad who sniffed JV baseball in high school, not the success that you've had in the NFL, two kickoff returns in the same game for the Houston Texans, 99-yard touchdown catch, playing with Michael Vick, the list goes on and on. Where's the balance with talking to young athletes about where you can really do something with the game you've got in a particular sport, having lots and lots and lots of fun, Learning relationships. One of the things I've loved, I was kind of dreading AAU basketball, but I've really seen how fun it is watching my son play with two boys he plays with anyway on his team, five new kids, high-level schools, a couple of them are levels at which they're at because they're at small schools, and just seeing the relationship aspect. You know, taking these boys downtown Indianapolis the other night, they're having fun, they're hanging out, swimming at a hotel, all that. But there's so many sides of it where it's like, have fun, it's learning life. It's how do you as a one athlete focus on your particular part of the game to get better? Like I've been challenging him. His coach has, you got to shoot more. He somehow is still struggling with that. Like you got to shoot more defensively handling the ball. He's a point guard. You're doing well. You still got to shoot the ball more. How do you play all that out and speaking specifics into kids, Virginia tech, my son, Alex, whatever. And yet thinking through, there's a lot of places this can go. The 1% moves up at each level. Or it's actually less than 1%, isn't it? Isn't it like yeah, 0.1% sure. or something? How do you speak into all those areas to just say, here you are, you know, number 11 on the football team for Virginia Tech, some kid that, you know, Buzz Williams coached back when he was there on the basketball team, my son Alex. How do you tell him to pick those things apart? Because you can't do everything, but stay right. in your lane. Yeah, speak to that. Yeah, um, I guess four words that come to my mind with that is courage, focus, discipline, and relationships like you touched on. Those are the things that is going to be able to be carried with you into anything that you decide to go into. The courage aspect is something that 
I, I think it can be I think it can be taught. Some people are born with it. You see some kids who are just courageous and no fear go out there and just ball out whether they're some of the best players on the team and you also have guys who aren't the best but because of their courage because of their mm, hard work yep. they are very competitive on the field because they're just going to outwork you because they're not afraid of a failure they're going to go out there and give their all uh focus that's one of those things that you can have you can have fun while you're out there but having a level of focus is something that you see that can be something special that you see in certain players because you see the way they operate when they're on the field. They're not just playing off of their natural ability. They are actually making smart decisions when it comes to certain things. Mm. And I think that's something that will stand out again when you're looking for what's that it factor in a player. You can see someone make a smart decision instead of just maybe the easy decision. When I say discipline, discipline is you're going out there, you're having fun, but you're doing exactly what you've been coached to do. That can go a long way because there are a lot of talented players who lack discipline and they're, they will reach a ceiling to a certain point because they feel like their ability will always get them over the hump and all your ability will do is get you to a certain yes. point. But then those who are more focused and more disciplined are now going to pass you at that point because you can't listen and you're not coachable. And that's the last thing you want as a label you know, with you. And then lastly, relationships. That's what I think more often times than not, our lives are based on is the relationships that you build. And so many times, that's what I love about sports is that that's a built community that right when you get anywhere, especially when it comes to sports, when you get anywhere and you start playing a sport together, those relationships bud immediately. And it's pretty amazing to be a part of that and to say, all right, how can you take people who have had a common interest in something, being competitive with it and being able to challenge each other, know each other's strengths, know their weaknesses, know where you can help out and where you can encourage somebody mm -hmm. else to make sure that they're doing better? Because oftentimes you can make a mistake and try to do someone else's job. And all that yeah. does is make everybody else look bad. So. Um, how can I do my job in a great way that inspires my teammates around me to do better, wow. but then also encourage others that even in the midst of a failure or a mistake, I can encourage you to forget that, learn from that. Let's move on because that's how we're all going to move forward together. See, you're only encouraging all the more. All of, all of a sudden, driving up here today, I thought, man, I would love it if Andre and Alex got like an hour. Maybe uh, Alex and his best buddy, who they play a lot of sports together and are super close. And man, now I'm what that that's going to become a priority when you're here. I'm like, okay, this breakfast thing can wait. Let's get Andre with Alex and Nate and yada yada yada. This is so encouraging. So let me ask you this: so I, I I sent you a little note about a book I've been digging into called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. And uh, it, it kind of looks at life and kind of our days very similar to how we hear about the St. Francis of Assisi's were, the Brothers Lawrence, the Mother Teresa. I'm curious if you live like that, Andre. Do you look at like a day, any random day from the moment you wake up to a morning cup of coffee or hot tea or whatever, to brushing your teeth, to making your bed, to whatever it would be, and see the sacredness in that? Because you... I can't imagine you don't, but you just seem so, you, you mentioned a minute ago the word focus. You just seem focused on the gospel, on making a difference, on being impactful, on learning with everything you do. Do you look at your individual days like that with spiritual eyes on every moment? 
I would like to think so. Um, you know, I don't want to get up here and have people thinking that, man, it's just, that's just the way it is. I, I think there's a balance of it. I think one of the areas I struggle with is how I, I'm, I'm trying to learn from all of these different areas, but also how often am I actually getting in the word of God? Yep. Because that needs to be my foundation. All of these other things are nice kind of supplements, but what is the foundation? And so there are times, and I go through seasons. I think, sure. you know, once again, something that's very important that we all need to recognize is that we go through seasons of life. And it's not that you're just on fire for God every single moment of every single day. That's our desire. And I think that's maybe what helps me focus is that that's my desire. So if that's my desire, I can wake up and those moments are there that the Lord will uh, convict me or nudge me towards him oftentimes throughout the day, which lets me know like, okay, I, I've been watching TV a little too much. Oh, I've been on YouTube a little bit too much. I've been wasting too much time right now. And it's been in stuff that is not making a difference. It's not me spending time with God. It's not me uh, spending more time with my kids. You know, I might trap myself in my office for a little bit. And it's like, ah, you've been away from the family a little bit too long. You got to go find out, see what everyone's doing. So I think for me, it is, it is getting to the point. We were talking about this at our family night on Friday night about how communication with God, when we talk about prayer, it's not the head bowed, we're praying for 45 minutes. And, and when you do that, that's when so many people, believers and non-believers are just like, I can't do that. Like, so I just don't do it at all. I can't pray like you pray. I can't do like you do. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is, how often are you thinking about Christ? Mm -hmm. How often does the thing, your decisions about your day are being filtered through the it's being filtered through the word of God. Yes. And I think the more time we spend in that, that's how our mind works. And so now it's being filtered. Our thoughts, our actions are being filtered through the foundation that we've planted in us by reading the word of God. And by when we're engaged like that, it becomes more natural, it becomes more of a habit to me that way. My natural thinking, when I have these quiet moments of driving in the car or whatever, it is me just kind of talking with God about, all right, what's on my mind? What's going on here? Lord, give me the strength to uh, deal with this next conversation that I'm going to have. Yep. You know, it's it's those moments throughout the day where you're just like asking God for guidance in your decision making. And I think the more often we do that, it will become more of a habit and more of a lifestyle. Well, and, and you can tell by the way you're talking. I mean, that is you. It's undivided. It's it's focused. It's making everything, you know, I, I mentioned a book in there too. I think every moment holy, it's making every moment holy. Uh, Mark Batterson, when I was at the Cove recently, made a comment about, I forgot who gets the quote, but it's something like realizing every tear was a liquid prayer that we had. And I just think, you know, yeah. he was talking about one word prayers. A number of years ago, God gave me this, little visionary type thing I felt like where he just said, Jeff, in the middle of your days or at night when you're trying to go to bed or whatever, just just say the word Jesus three times. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You wouldn't believe how much that's helped me. Mark Batters was saying like using the word grace, just saying the word grace, mercy, peace. Sometimes God's given us the authority and the power. We could even speak that into existence in a sense. Okay, I got a hardcore transition because I did want to have some fun and get a rapid five in. This is not as funny maybe as before, but I thought I'm going to personalize these to you, Andre. What is your favorite sports documentary, if you have a favorite sports documentary? Oh, okay. 
going back. There's, you, you know, there's thinking. been so many sports documentaries that have been out there. I guess I'll go with the latest one that has been out there that kind of went viral. I think it was right at the beginning of COVID was the whole Jordan, yeah. the Chicago Bulls one. Yeah. I, and I'm forgetting the name of the uh, the documentary. Last Dance. Last Dance. There you go. Yeah. And so it was amazing just seeing once again, like, man, back in the 90s, like he had a film crew yeah. following him everywhere. And that was one like, man, like he was that was before your time like man they could have put that out a long time ago but how ideal was it to come out when it did yeah. for everyone to see like this is what made this man great but also why so many people hated him and why some people still to this day oh, yeah. don't like him with the way you know he he was and so um don't agree with a, you know the way he treated people a lot of times but there were ways that he was able to get the best out of his teammates sure. and he was able to bring them up to a level of they didn't falter in the pressure in those pressure moments when he had a call on different guys you saw them step up to the plate so i, I think that was great to see how they came together as a team in the midst of that kind of pressure oh, sure. that was always on top of everybody there was a five, it was what eight to ten episodes of that there was the one the one scene that stands out most to me about that whole thing was him and one of the guys that just worked the locker room he was like a kind of like an usher type of guy or whatever and they were gambling on something i forget it was like rolling dice or something goofy and i think the guy actually beat jordan the one time and it was funny just their little interaction i thought of everything i saw that's what stood out most to me about the last dance but uh let me ask you this andre what what is some biblical content might be a book might be a podcast might be whatever what is something you've been taking in recently you're you're like oh this is so good yeah yeah like i said uh and i've got it right here it's tony, tony evans, evans called for, for a purpose, purpose. I, i've been reading this as often as i can trying to get it as part of my morning devotions because i think it just it helps me get in the right mindset right like what, what is our purpose from day to day when you say the word purpose, I think we can throw it around oftentimes. And when you hear people explain their purpose, a lot of times they explain their career. And it's mm. just like, but is that your purpose or is that just what you do? You know, uh, we, we talk about it and I think everyone's heard that. Is that this is not what I am. This is just what I do. And for a lot of people, if what you do is who you are, man, that is a great purpose. That is a great job and career that you get to be a part of is that you know that God has designed you and purposed you to do something that you get paid for. Yeah. And that is that is one of the things that I try to teach our students at Virginia Tech is that use this time at Virginia Tech now to be able to find your purpose, find the strengths. What are the things that you really enjoy doing because you don't want to get so caught up in just chasing a check and saying that, oh, here are the five highest paying jobs and I'm going into this field because I want to get paid that. Sure. That can, that could, you can get to a point of being burnt out if it's just about the money because you're going to do whatever it takes to get that next bonus and do whatever. But for many people, do you ever get the opportunity to actually enjoy the fruits of your labor when you're working so hard and you're getting paid and you're able to do all of these things? but yet you miss out on those experiences sure. of uh, potentially being with your family or, or just doing other things relationally. And so if I can help students find that earlier in their life, hopefully they'll pick career fields that they really enjoy 
and will be able to get even more out of their career because they have been built and designed in such a way that their experiences are going to be able to uh, set them apart in their, you know, in their jobs and careers. Very cool. Your impact on my life. There it is right there. Tony Evans called for purpose. Downloaded. I got it. Thanks for the encouragement on that. So what's your go-to worship song? You're in the car. You got to go pick up the kids from school. What's your go-to worship song right now? Ooh. Well, I'm like a, I'm like the DJ of my family. Oh, um, bring it. So I'm always coming up with playlists. Let me go into, let's see, the last playlist. I, well, one of the really good songs that I like is uh, Yes, I Will mm. by Anthony Evans. Yep. Um, his version. There's a lot okay. of people who a lot of versions. Yeah. That is that is my latest one right now that I really love. Um, one of the newer songs that I just heard our church sang it a couple weeks ago, and I've been liking it as well. Is "Praise Opens Pri- Prison Doors" Ooh. by a group Kane. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Um, it's uh, not folk country, but you know, contemporary Christian. Yeah. I go through it all. I've, I've gotten a lot of African artists now. Uh, Nigeria is big in the gospel scene. They've got a lot of artists that are out there. Gospel R&B. Uh, Phil Wickham yeah. um, has a, a bunch of great songs out. Uh, Israel Houghton, love yep. his stuff. Just, I mean, there's so much music that's out there that I love it yeah. because it's just part of all of my traveling that I do. I love listening to music uh, on the way. Um, Man, you're loaded up for us. <laughs> June 24th, I'm going to see Phil Wickham. I'm glad you said him. That's good. So, And I just downloaded that Kane song on my Spotify list. That's good. So um, what is a board game or a card game? You guys just traveled. What's something that's capturing the heart of the Davis family that you guys are doing together from a game standpoint? Uno. We just bought like – they've got like a bunch of different Uno games yep. now. I, I haven't played them. We just bought – two different versions one's called like all wilds and i can't remember the other one that my son got but there's like another reverse uno i think and of course they've got all the themed ones i think we've got like a marvel one or x-men one that like you can flip you can get them to flip the card over which then turns everything kind of like on a dark side the villain side and the hero side so it's an easy game that, you know, all of our kids can can play and, and we get enjoyment out of that. Uno never fails. It's always a win. I, you're with family. You're with extended family. Pull out one of those versions. It can always be a win. Yeah. So, Not a lot of directions have to be given that's to play right. it. That's right. The only one that's tough is the what's the one where uh, you get to swap hands? Like if somebody's got that one card <laughs> and you have to pull it all the cards back together and reshuffle them all. I'm like, ooh, that one I could do without because this person over here has got about 20 cards. Everybody else has three. And now we got to... That, that one I don't like, but all the rest of them. Right. Last question. Jaden, my oldest, I may have told you this before, huge Cleveland Browns fan. He has really gotten into the Browns. You played there for three years. Encourage him as a long-term, I'm going to assume he's going to be a long-term fan. What does he need to know? How does he fight these battles that all these Cleveland Browns fans fight where they're down on their team, They've not been to the playoffs, you know, all that kind of history stuff, the Modell family, all that. How do you encourage him to endure and be in it for the long haul as a Browns fan? Absolutely. If you're a fan, you're a fan. Just stay with it. Like, forget what everyone else is talking about. Support your team. Just like our Christian walk, you got to have a foundation. If your foundation is the Browns and, and you love them, 
forget about any other team that's out there and just give support. You don't have to make excuses for them. That That's the part <laughs> that I think gets everyone mad is that, you know, you feel like you have to have an explanation for everything that went wrong. Yeah. But hey, when you have a win, appreciate the wins. That's when right. you have a loss, be able to look at it and say, all right, what are the things that went wrong? I mean, you can look at Anybody, right? Not even if you're a football fan, you can look and see, oh, wait a sec. These guys had four turnovers today. Guess what? You're not going to win a lot of games with four turnovers. So if we can fix those things, maybe the team will win. If uh, the receivers, everyone's dropping the ball. Oh, guess what? You can't win games with that. So I think if you look at it and you break it down, you can take the emotional. What was that? There's a meme that goes out talking about emotional damage. Um, you can take the emotional damage away by just looking at, you know what, where are the things that they can really get better? And if we can do those things, like most other teams around the league, you're going to be a better team. So when you look at it that way, you can hopefully take some of the emotional stress away from you following your team, yep. even when they're doing bad. You can say, you know what, I think we would be a better team if we could get rid of X, Y, and Z. And so when everyone starts trying to pile it on you, you got to learn to put your pride aside and be like, you're right. Yeah, we weren't good today. There but hopefully go. we'll get better. And as long as you can do that, you'll, I think you'll have a better experience as a Browns fan than you would otherwise. Lots of wisdom for Jaden Pinkleton there. He, like I, will be excited to see you soon enough. In a few weeks, we will have you May 18th in Springfield, Ohio. They gather the Miami Valley Spring Breakfast our featured speaker, Andre Davis. Can't wait to give you that hug to see you in person. I'm tired of screens. I'm ready to see you in person. Andre, thank you for, again, I feel like you're a friend. I mean, I feel like we've talked enough. You've been on here twice. You're a friend of folks who listen to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, and I am ready for your deep investment in what you're going to offer us here in a few weeks. Absolutely, Jeff. I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, we are definitely friends, and I think that's something that's very special, again, that even on phone calls and even Zoom calls that you can build a relationship with somebody basically because of the foundation of Christ and to know that, hey man, like God has uh, knitted us together for a reason, for a purpose. And we hope that we'll be able to make an impact uh, when I get a chance to see you, give you a hug and make an impact on everyone else who's going to be a part of that men's gathering conference. There you go. Sounds great. Have a great day, Andre. We'll be in touch. All right, Jeff. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.